listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. I recently taught a webinar to my students in my Build Your Profitable Cake Business class about confidence and mental health. And it's something that I have been talking about a lot in our industry in the last, I'd say, year or so. I've really shifted my focus from the practicalities of running a business to the emotional and mental side of running a cake business. Now, I'm not a mental health professional. And if anything I say during the course of this is something you find upsetting or triggering, then of course, I invite you to ring lifeline and suicide prevention lines, and there is help out there, so go and find it. But today I wanted to talk about some of the more practical things. I know here I am back in the practical world again. Some of the more practical things I think that we can do for ourselves to help with our mental health issues. Now, I should start by saying there's a couple of reasons why I think our industry seems to have a higher proportion than most of issues around anxiety, depression, procrastination, and general mental health. And let's just think about a couple of these reasons. First is lack of sleep. Now, anybody who's had a small child at home knows that lack of sleep turns you into somebody who you don't recognize. It makes you irritable. It makes you crabby. It makes you just plain old tired. makes you not being able to think straight. And when we started down the road of these businesses, most of us are doing it outside of our normal obligations of work and family. So we are working at crazy hours of the day and night, you know, three o'clock in the morning to finish flowers and four o'clock in the morning to make an ash and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. So a lot of us are struggling simply on not enough sleep. And that already creates a mental health problem of exhaustion and irritation. And then there's the issue of that time thing again, where you know, cake making or macaron baking or whatever, brownies, pies, whatever we do. It used to be fun, right? It used to be our hobby, what we did outside of our work hours. It was just kind of a fun thing we did. And for many of us, it was a stress relief. But then we turned it into a business and suddenly our fun is surrounded by a bunch of rules. There's pressure on us that there didn't used to be before. When it was a hobby, who cares when we finished it or didn't finish it? Who cares if the line was wobbly or if the board wasn't quite straight? It didn't really make a difference. But as soon as we started taking money and as soon as we started getting customers, even if those customers were family and friends, suddenly there's pressures on us in terms of time, when it needs to get done and by when. There's pressures of us on us about money, right? We don't want to take money for something and then be out of pocket for giving somebody something. There's pressures on our creativity. So where it used to be a very therapeutic, relaxed kind of thing, now it needs to be a certain color or it needs to be a certain shape or it needs to be a certain something. So you no longer have the creative freedom. And so pressure appears on us from a number of different angles. And if we go back to that time thing, let's just think about this. We used to have time for a job and our family, if we've got one, and a hobby. And then our hobby became a business. And so that same 24 hours is now taken up by work and family. And oh, look, it's work again. Doesn't leave us more hours magically to have that downtime or to have that stress relief or to have that creative freedom, right? So now what do we have? If baking and decorating used to be our therapy and our downtime, 
where the heck are we supposed to fit in that therapy and downtime now when it's being taken up by this business, right? Another reason I think we have a lot of issues around anxiety and depression and procrastination and so on is because once we turned our hobby into a business, suddenly it required skills we don't have or we don't yet have. So along with the pressure of needing to learn how to just make those products, we're also needing to learn to manage our money, how to run the admin, how to give customer service, how to have self-discipline around our time, how to do social media, how to create websites, how to run various online accounts. It suddenly is not just a learning curve of learning how to make something. It's learning how to run something. And that in itself is kind of anxiety inducing. If you don't have the skills for how to do something and if you've never done it before, well, that's kind of scary, right? Because all of a sudden you've got to learn all the stuff you don't know and we start feeling inadequate, right? I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at this. I'm terrible at marketing. I'm awful at social media, on and on and on. And that effect of the not knowing or the not understanding snowballs into a lot of negative emotion and a lot of negative energy where we simply don't know what we don't know and we constantly feel inadequate. Now, a lack of confidence also comes from that, right? We don't know what we're doing. How can you be confident about something that you don't know what you're doing? And this also comes from the creative point of view, right? Because let's say somebody calls and says, I really want to do this thing, or I really want you to make me this thing, rather. And you're like, okay, cool. But you've got a lack of confidence because you've never done that design before. Or you've never done that structure before, or that flavor, or whatever it is. You've never charged for it before. You worry that they're not going to like it. And before you know it, you end up with this massive, tangled up ball of emotion around all this stuff, which, you know, a month ago or six months ago was just something you did for fun and relaxation and as a hobby. So it doesn't surprise me at all that as an industry, we have a lot of issues around mental health. And also we are primarily dominated by people who are creative and creative people don't necessarily always think in linear ways. And yet by making it into a business, we're forcing them to think about linear things like money, like customer service, like answering emails, the boring stuff they don't really like doing. Creative people in general, I think sometimes have issues with mental health because they're creative and creative minds work in different ways. So there's a whole lot of ways that we as an industry end up in this place of stress or this place of lack of confidence or this place of anxiety and worry. And I think it's worrying to me, there you go, irony, it's worrying to me how much we have to deal with this. So today I wanted to give you a couple of practical ways to combat some of those worries. And look, this is a topic I could talk about for hours and hours and hours on end. And the truth is, are there solutions to these problems? There's so many that I haven't yet encountered. And there's so many that I don't have time to talk about in this podcast. So today I'm just going to focus on a couple of those. If you've ever sat in my live class, you know that I talk about a concept called the sag wagon. My father was a long distance cyclist. And when you go on long bike rides, there's this thing called the sag wagon. Now the sag wagon is like a truck or a car or something that rides alongside the riders on these long haul rides. And it's filled with stuff like first aid kit and spare tires and spare patch kits and bottles of water and whatever. But the whole idea of the sag wagon is that it's got space in the back so that if you sag out of the race, you can throw your bike and yourself in the back and they will drive you to the finish line if you can't make it. But the sag wagon is not only filled with room for you, it's got all these other tools that you might need along the way, a Gatorade, you know, whatever, right? And so I believe we need a life sag wagon, which is stuff that you've got to put in there 
which keep you going when the going gets really tough. And for everybody, that sag wagon is going to be filled with different things. And I'll just give you a couple of examples of what might be in there. Maybe it's the use of a therapist or other mental health professional. Maybe you go and see somebody once a week or once a month, maybe a life coach, somebody external to your family and friends that you can speak to openly and honestly about what's going on. So a therapist or psychotherapist might be in your sag wagon. Certainly there is in mine. You might have a support group in your sag wagon. Now that could be an online support group. And by the way, they have to actually be supportive not a group filled with crazy people. And I mean crazy as in like they act nuts over things like box mix versus scratch mix, right? When I say support group, I mean actually supportive people. And in that group, I hope that you would have two or three people who you felt quite connected to. A support group is only supportive if you are an active member of it and you give and you receive as well. Not if you just sit there and scroll by and read. So when I say online support group, I mean genuinely supportive. Or maybe you've got a real life support group that once a week you go to the basement of your church and you speak to other people you know, who are dealing with the same kind of things you're dealing with. So support groups is another thing that you could have in there. Maybe what you have in your sag wagon is, and this is the one that every time I say it, people laugh at me, but it's totally true, is a six-weekly visit to a hairdresser. Now, I don't know what magic the ends of the fingers of a hairdresser weaves, but genuinely, those people are God's gift to humanity, I'm telling you. I've never met anybody, male or female, who didn't walk into a barbershop or a hairdressing shop and got their hair cut and didn't walk out of there feeling like they had a spring in their step and a lightness to their soul and just felt so much better. So maybe in your sag wagon is that every six weeks without fail, you get your hair done. Maybe you've got stuff in there like regular yoga classes once a week or seeing a personal trainer once a month or whatever. Now, if you're sitting there going, Michelle, these things are expensive. Like I can't afford hairdressers and personal trainers and therapists. You don't necessarily have to have all of these things you could have one of those things or a cheaper version of one of those things, something you can afford. It doesn't really matter, but the point is that you actually have tools, activities, people, strategies, anything you need in that sag wagon to get you where you need to go. As an example, personally in my sag wagon is daily exercise. Now, sure, I could go the personal trainer route or the yoga route or the Pilates route or the whatever. But for me, that daily exercise is just a walk around my neighborhood, which costs me zero. I spend usually about an hour walking in my neighborhood and I almost always spend that time listening to a podcast. Sometimes they're funny podcasts, sometimes they're educational podcasts, but I love that hour of being able to think about nothing and just listen to an interesting story playing in my ears. If you're somebody who likes music, that could be classical music, that could be rock, that could be whatever. But the point is that I'm out there every day and it doesn't cost me anything. Podcasts are free. Walking is free, right? The phone to play it wasn't free, but pretty close. I don't know anybody these days who doesn't have a mobile phone and chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you probably own one. So that's an example of still having something in your sag wagon which doesn't cost a fortune, but which has an unbelievable value to you and the quality of your life. Another thing that you could have is meditation. Now, when I started my meditation life, firstly, I resisted doing it forever. I just didn't want to do that stuff. I couldn't imagine sitting there and keeping my brain quiet. I'm sure this comes as no surprise to you, but my brain moves at 10,000 million squillion miles an hour. <laughs> and the idea of sitting quietly and being all, um, um, just wasn't going to work for me. That it really was not going to work for me. And then I came across 
an app called Calm, C-A-L-M, Calm. And they had, I'm not even joking, they had one minute guided meditations. And I thought to myself, surely, Michelle, surely you can sit for a minute and do nothing. I mean, how hard can be a minute, you know? And so I started doing a daily meditation with Calm for one minute. And the app is, there is a paid version, but this was the free version, which has lots of guided meditations in it. And I started doing those one minute a day. And the funny thing is like the one minute would end and I'd be like, is that all? What? Hey, wait, how did that finish so quickly? So I quickly realized that one minute was kind of not all that fabulous because by the time I finished breathing for that one minute, I'd only just worked out how to get the app going. So I quickly made that kind of two minutes and then five minutes. And now I do a 10 minute one every day. Now, if meditation is not your thing, that's fine. You don't have to sit there. Firstly, there's no chanting involved unless chanting is your thing. If meditation is not your thing, then it could just be sitting quietly for five minutes and just breathing in and out. It doesn't need to be anything fantastic. A recent thing I've learned is that the Calm app actually has in it this thing called sleep stories. I know this sounds kind of dodgy, but it's not dodgy at all. It's actually adult stories or fables read by all kinds of people with beautiful voices. And they're literally sleep stories. So you turn them on as an adult and it's like somebody telling you a beautiful story that you drift off to sleep. And to me, listening to those sleep stories is a form of meditation because it quietens my mind, slows down my brain and prepares my body for sleep. So if you're not into meditating, the sleep stories on the Calm app, I also highly recommend. I think that they are amazing. And one of the last things I wanted to suggest that you have in your side wagon. Now, again, you could have all kinds of things in there, right? You could have certain foods. You could have, I don't know, getting a fancy piece of chocolate once a week is a treat. You could have going to a massage therapist. You could have, you know, seeing your best friend every Saturday morning for a walk. You can have just about anything. But the point I want to make is in an industry that's so fraught with mental health issues, it's really easy to throw around words like self-care, like, oh, you have to look after yourself. And to me, when I hear things like self-care, I guess I immediately come to this place where I think, oh God, self-care is like spending two hours a week doing like hair masks and putting cucumbers in my eyes or something. And I just can't, first of all, that doesn't appeal to me. I want to eat cucumbers, not put them on my eyes. Same with tea bags. Why are people wasting tea bags on eyes? Anyway, so for me, I can't, if I try to think about self-care, it comes with this kind of, oh, I need to be doing 10,000 things for that. And to me, that's not what self-care is. I think every day in the tiniest way possible, you can actually look after yourself because we need to. If we no longer have the time for creative endeavors, then we need that half hour walk or we need that trip to the hairdresser every six weeks or we need that coffee with our best friend on a Sunday morning early or we need to get up that 10 minutes early and spend that 10 minutes meditating. It is really important to inject into your life these small kind of rescue remedies as best as you can. And one of the things I want to say that's in my sag wagon, which is a very powerful thing. It's not a thing. It's not a person. It's not a place. It's actually a thought. I know this is sounding a little woo. Just stick with me here. The thought is that I recognize that I have the power. I am not powerless at any time. So I think a lot of times when you own a small business, you feel driven by other people. You feel driven by, you don't want to disappoint people. You don't want to upset your customers. You want to make sure they get what you want. And you feel as though all your time is spent serving other people. And therefore you are powerless to either stop or change any of your situation. And that's not actually the case. You guys have heard me say your business, your rules, but it's also your life, your rules. And one of the advantages of running a business like ours that's in a food industry is that every product we make is a nice to have, not a need to have. 
So at any time in that race, you can choose to simply stop cycling. You can choose to slow yourself down. You can choose to pull the things out of the sag wagon you need. You can choose to throw your bike and yourself into that sag wagon and get help to the finish line. I think we think of ourselves as being powerless to stop the things that happen in our lives, and I don't believe we are. I think we simply forget that the power lies within us. Now, I'm not saying that choosing to stop or choosing to slow down is necessarily easy. I'm not saying it's necessarily simple. I'm not saying it's free. I am simply saying that you have the power to choose and you have the power to stop and you have the power to change and that you are not powerless against any of it. Let's be real here. If you tripped and fell and broke your foot or your hand or something and you were stuck in hospital for three weeks, you would have no choice but to stop those orders, hand them over to somebody else or do something about the situation. But you don't have to wait for the crisis moment for that to be the case. You are in control of the entire thing. It's just that at the moment, it probably doesn't feel like it. You've allowed yourself to get wrapped up in other people's expectations or other people's needs or other people's judgment. And you think, well, I have to keep doing this. They're all counting on me. They're all counting on me. One of the times I remember this really coming to the fore was, I believe I've actually mentioned this on the podcast before. I had a meeting with my business coach in the last few months of my business. And I said to him, I think I I feel I need to sell. I feel I need to sell. This is before I knew I was going to sell to the person I sold to. And I, one thing you might not know is that my business used to cater to people who were nut free. So we had a nut free kitchen. And very often I'd get mothers coming to me saying, my child has never had a cake from a bakery before because the risk of cross-contamination was too big. Thank you so much for giving them a proper birthday cake. It was a very emotional thing for me. And I remember sitting in a cafe in Sydney with this guy and crying my eyes out and saying to him, how are they going to survive without me? I have to stay in business. They need me. Those children who have never had a real birthday cake, they need me. Those mothers need me. And I really went into a tailspin about this. And when I recount this story now, I frankly, I feel like a fool because no child needs birthday cake. I mean, that sounds a little harsh, but it's a nice to have, not a need to have. And I was there crying, carrying on, losing it about the fact that they need me. It didn't matter that my life was falling apart, that my health was no good, that my mental health was no good, that everything was a disaster. No, they need me. And I think that's a really common thing, particularly for women and particularly for women in a service industry like we're in. I know it's product, but to me, it's also service where we feel like our obligation to our customers or our obligation to their needs and their desires is somehow more important or bigger or more essential or more something than our own. And that's simply not the case. So the one thing in my sag wagon that helps me a lot is the realization that I am not powerless. I can choose different. I can stop the train that I'm on. I can do all kinds of things differently. So today, if you've been listening to this and you're somebody who's really struggling with this situation of feeling like it's all too much, the anxiety is all too hard, the depression is all too hard, I hope you take a moment to stop and think about what things, people, places, emotions anything, you're going to put in your sag wagon to help you get through it. And if you can't get through it and you realize that the power of those things is too much, then I need you to also remember that you are not powerless. And it might not be easy, but you can always choose to stop, get off the train, go a little slower, throw your bike in the back, whatever you need to do to get where you're going. 
And on that note, I wish you good health, both physical and emotional. And if this is something you're struggling with, please, please, please don't struggle alone and know that you are not alone. We have an entire industry full of people who also have issues going on, regardless of how shiny and gorgeous they or their business look on places like social media and Instagram and all of that. You are not alone and you are not powerless. And together we can make all sorts of pretty awesome things happen. We just sometimes need a little bit of help. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.